0: Yeah.
1: Who's
0: that? That's myself when I went into the army. I was only 21 years of age.
1: That's my son, Dunica, and my father, Dick. What Dad didn't tell Dunica is that he's actually 81. And, uh, what age are you
0: now? Oh, I can't tell you.
1: What do you think I am? you
0: That'll do. <laughs> ha, I'll do fine.
1: He's a bit shaky on his legs, but there's nothing wrong with his head. Although, over the course of his life, it has been a troubled one. Troubled by the memory of a close friend who, almost 60 years ago, died right in front of his eyes in a military truck crash. A US Army buddy who he'd bonded closely with through their love of jazz. His name was Howard Branch. My name is Mary Elaine Tynan, and I'm Dick's daughter. Four years ago, my elderly father got himself into a fight. Not just any fight. It was a fight with the U.S. Army. In the course of that fight, Dad was challenged to prove what had happened the day of the crash. And in the many, many days since, he was given the task of finding private branch. So you may be asking how my dad has any earthly place getting into a scrape with the U.S. military. Okay, let's go back to the very beginning. Dad was born in 1937 and raised around Camden Street in Dublin's inner city. He was destined to become a butcher in the family business, but he was a jazz obsessive and he had other ideas. At the age of 20, lured by the prospect of good work and great music, he up sticks and moved to Beverly Hills, California, where two of his aunts lived. Although it was between the Korean and Vietnam Wars, the threat of communism across the globe Preoccupied U.S. administrations.
0: Here in Russia, you see the reason why we are spending billions of dollars in defense production, why your family is paying the highest taxes in our history.
1: But to fight a global war against communism, the U.S. military needed soldiers, lots of them.
0: A big winning team always needs two things: the right teamwork and the right brains. Now the army is a big team operation too. Before you
1: enlist. You can choose your travel, Europe or the Far East, for example. Knowing he'd be called up, Dad enlisted in the army. America was especially keen to protect her borders with Soviet controlled Eastern Europe. One of those borders was Germany. And so in 1959, Dad found himself in the Bavarian town of Augsburg on a grueling training regime. But it wasn't all work and no play. There was an enlisted men's club on the compound. And that meant jazz. In the
0: um, EM club, the enlisted men's clubs, there was pianos, there was drums, there was everything. And I played a little bit of drums before I left Dublin. I was in there playing Drums, but there was this coloured piano player and he was very good, so it happened to be a set of drums nearby, and I was playing and we were jamming away for maybe an hour or so. Um, one guy in particular was Howard Branch and he was, you know, digging the sands, as we say in Dublin. So Howard hung around afterwards and we we're drinking coffee at the machines, and he said, Yeah, man, you're cool, I took that. Oh, yeah, you jazz head. Jazz guys have a funny way of talking, their lingo is totally different, everything's cool and hip and all the rest. Anyway, and because he said his brother back home was well, a trumpet player. I said, oh, really? Yeah, French. OK. So we became cool. And I said, you know, where I live, Dublin, we got a great jazz scene. we got some really, really top players. And I said, yeah, I can't wait to get back you. I'll be visiting in a few months. And he said, yeah, I'd love to visit that place. Yeah, wow, because I miss the jazz. I said, yeah, it's really cool. And then as we came nearer the time, he was in there in the EM club after we finished playing. I said, yeah, I'm going to Dublin in a couple of weeks. Oh, man, that'll be good. Love to go there. Yeah, love, really would. I I didn't say anything. Yeah, you'd you'd love it. I said, But then specifically about a week later, he says, listen, I can get some leave at the same time as you. How would you feel if I went there? Well, he caught me flat-footed. Immediately I started thinking, how would people in Dublin react to how he's black? Because I recall, before I went to America in the first place, seeing some guys abused physically, verbally. People from maybe the College of Surgeons in Stevens Green area go black to Africa, black fucker, and stuff like this. I never forgot it because I was young at the time. But before I had a chance to even voice my concerns to him, he came out with this, year. ah. He's like all oh, the white, other white motherfuckers, or something like that. He said. What crossed my mind was the memory of a of black people being abused in Dublin. What did you do? Did nothing. I hadn't a chance. He strode off then. He thought I was a racist, like they have in America.
1: So you, he stomped off.
0: He went off then. We didn't have much dealings with each other then. I went over on holiday for two weeks to Dublin. Came back. I'd see him round the place, but we didn't really
1: mingle. This misunderstanding hurt both Dad and Howard, damaging their special friendship. Dad hoped they'd sort it out, assumed that they would. He never imagined that he'd reflect on that moment over and over again for decades. But we wouldn't even be talking about this today if it weren't for the events of the 27th of April 1959.
0: April 59 we were sent out on manoeuvres to the Bavarian Mountains it's call more It's a very hilly area, like Wicklow. The weather was bad, the food was what they them um, K-Rushers. So, um, we're loaded onto trucks and out of the blue, I see I'm the last man into one truck, the last guy in, open air trucks, two and a half trucks, big trucks, and sitting up, each other on benches. And I was at the end, near the exit, and I see Howard appears, and uh, Sergeant Kalker, a squad leader, and he orders Harrod into our truck. Our truck was really packed to the rim, you wouldn't get anyone in there. So Harrod sees another truck approaching and he says, Oh, Sergeant by bye, uh, no room in this truck. I'll get into the next one. I don't know whether he had spotted me or not, but I certainly had spotted him. So the sergeant said, Oh, get up there, it'll take ages for that other truck to arrive. So I hooshed up the guys and he jumped in me. Side me, no. He's actually opposite me. I was sitting opposite
1: him. So, was there enough room on the truck for him?
0: Not really, but well, you know, you can make room if you have to make room, you know, by turning sideways or whatever. So.
1: The reason I ask this seemingly trivial question is that the simple act of making room for Private Harrod Branch on a military truck that day became the defining moment of what was to live with my father for the rest of his life. He had made room for Howard Branch.
0: We start descending this very steep hill, the dirt road, Bad Elm Muddy dirt road, and each side this um, a barbed wire, a flimsy type barbed wire fence, I'd say. It wasn't really a full one with four or five strands to it. I think it was only one or two. But I just noticed them anyway. And um, the driver was driving fast, I noticed, really fast, because we shouldn't have been driving that fast down a precarious thing like this road and I uh, was bumping all around, and I'm at the end, you know, at the truck. So I just looked up there. I noticed the driver had his head in a funny angle. Rather than straight ahead, he was looking left or right or something. But before you know it, the truck is leaving. I noticed the truck leaving the road. And I said, damn it, we're going to crash his bloody barber. Bar. Instinctively, I jumped up. Just jumped up as, as the front of the wheels of the vehicle entered through this fence. It took a split second, but I just jumped out, up, and before you know it, I'm up in the air and the vehicle is tumbling down the hill, steep hillside, and I landed down the ground finally, and I started rolling down also. So, uh, you can imagine their equipment and stuff, and then th- the moaning. I looked over and then I saw I thought it was Harold. it was Harry, he was on his back, his arms spread, blood pouring profusely, profusely from his ears, his nose, maybe his mouth, all over the thing. And he was like, um, obviously unconscious. I went over and I said, Harry, okay? And I just sort of saw him. No response to where he was gone, he was out. And I said, Jesus, he's bleeding to death. I mean, the blood was too profuse. It came out and looked around me and other people groaning, moaning and stuff. I didn't black out, but I was definitely in shock. Everything was a blur and, and there was a lot of personnel, a lot of activity taking us and moving us, stretches, intaminants, whatever. And then um, back to the uh, Munich Army Hospital. So I've, from a visit from Sergeant Kelker, my squad leader, I asked and I quizzed them about the other casualties. And I said, uh, what about um, Howard, uh, branch, my buddy? And he looked at me for a while and he said, no, he didn't make it. Oh, okay. And he said, it's about Howard, so, he my God, I feel kind of guilty. See, I just don't normally talk, share things like that to private first class. So they normally, you know, in a different class, higher class than you. But I guess he felt guilty. He said, yeah, I felt guilty, I feel a bit guilty. I ordered him onto the truck and he said he'd wait for the next one because the truck was filled. And I wonder if he hadn't been on that truck. So he left it at that. So I said nothing because I was kind of taken aback. back. And um, it resonated with myself because even no sooner gone I said yeah you're not the only guy that feels guilty because at that moment I felt the same guilt that he's said. So the pair of us were in a on a guilt trip separately but together.
1: Two years after the crash Dad was discharged from the US Army. He ended up in New York with his own band. He met a Belfast girl, my mother, and in 1965 they returned to Dublin to get married, a marriage which is now 53 years old. They took over my grandfather's business, a B&B on Dublin's keys, and Dad ended up with his own furniture shop, which most Dubliners knew because of the most enormous photo of his face outside with the slogan, I can get it for you wholesale. Life for my parents was very busy. Just a year after they married, my brother Richard was born. And then a year and a week later, they welcomed twins, my sister Paula and my brother Stephen. So just two years into their marriage, my parents had three toddlers. I wouldn't arrive for another eight years. But in the meantime, something happened that would change life for my father and in fact, my whole family. It had been around seven years since the truck crash. But one day, a short time after he'd settled in Ireland, he was watching a football match on the TV and a very strange thing happened. It just came out of the blue.
0: About half an hour into the game, I started to get these flu like symptoms. I couldn't sit still. I was up and down, walking around, and I ended, I ended up not watching the match. Then, when I went to bed that night, um, I was restless. I couldn't, I may have fallen asleep briefly. But I know I awakened a few times, a couple of times that night. And then the next day, like, there's no flu-like symptoms, it was okay. And everything was fine for maybe a few days, maybe a week even. And I came back again at another occasion. I started getting restless during the day. And I couldn't sleep that night. Gradually over about a month, the uh, distances between Attacks like that shortened, and it was every day. At that stage, uh, there's something wrong here.
1: So Dad went to see his GP and was diagnosed with a very general type of depression. He was given some medication, which he took very briefly. Over time, the attacks decreased and eventually it seemed to resolve itself. But it never fully left him. Over the years that followed, Dad was plagued with sleeplessness, anxiety and a general sense of malaise. When I look back on it now, I realise he was always a little bit anxious and a worrier. But because he worked every day and got on with life, it was never really an issue. I just thought it was his personality.
0: It took me a while to get to understand the subconscious and guilty correlation. Uh, because it's I suppose I felt like it's not a good feeling to feel guilty. hmm Not a good feeling. Now sometimes after that, when I'd see a war movie on telly or something or anything involving vehicles getting struck by enemy fire for instance, because that's a similar thing really, you just see. And I wouldn't feel too comfortable there and I'd switch channels. So I thought was ideal and subconsciously but correlating the accident to my guilt and therefore avoidance. Or in Dublin on the street if I saw a coloured guy that looked like Harold. When I go to prayer meetings or go to Mass, i pray for them. So obviously I must feel some
1: guilt. From the 1960s, over the course of the next 40 years, my father lost both his parents and his brother. Then, in 2008, my brother Stephen died. Dad, like all of us, really struggled with the loss of my brother. And the death only added to the anxiety and occasional bouts of depression that Dad was already battling. Four years ago, While discussing his anxiety with his doctor, dad happened to mention the US army accident that had taken place in Germany all those years earlier. The doctor suggested that he might be suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Dad knew nothing about it, but he learned quickly enough and he realized that it perfectly described his symptoms. Anxiety and depression,
0: maybe panic attacks or anxiety attacks, having some types of social
1: phobias, Uh, and even feelings of uh, extreme guilt or shame over what's happened. Because the event that seemed to have caused it was a military one, Dad contacted the Veterans Association of the U.S. Army. He explained the situation, and they arranged for the Irish Embassy in Dublin to send him to see a psychiatrist. Well, the result was conclusive. According to the experts, he had indeed been suffering from PTSD for all these years as a direct result of the accident. They told him that there was treatment that could help him. But at €500 per session, for at least 20 sessions, it would be costly. So Dad applied to the US military, through the Veterans Association, for funds to pay for this treatment. And this is where the story gets interesting and actually quite baffling. Dad sent what we believed was all of the necessary documentation, including his diagnosis, by their psychiatrist. It seemed to open and shut. But then one day he got a letter and then a phone call from the Veterans Association and their tone seemed to have changed.
0: Yes, we have your records from the psychiatrist that he diagnosed you as post-traumatic stress. I know you were in an accident... But there is no evidence of any casualties involved in badly treated. That's not the word I'm looking for. Anyway, that's the situation.
1: Well, what have they said about your friend, Herod?
0: So they rang me once or twice and said, have you any idea where Herod Barnes lived, Free military before he went into service? No, I don't, but you have everything on record. You sent me my records when I sent for Discovery's documents. They went back 50-something years and sent me off Ireland. So you have my records. you got to have his enlistment records. And you got to have, if he's alive and you don't know where he is, then you'll have discharge records.
1: So they don't know about him dying. They can't... Pr- that, so are you sure he died? <laughs> so the upshot of all this is that the Veterans Association wants new evidence that will prove it all happened the way Dad says it did. They're claiming, to our absolute shock, that they don't have it. Dad's at a loss about how to get this evidence and he wants me to help him, which of course I will. But the only issue is that we're all privately wondering if this man did actually die. We begin an online search and Dad gets stuck in despite his very basic computer skills. I typed in,
0: on the computer, US Army personnel
1: uh, records. Okay, so... We search and we search for days. But we're not coming up with anything. Lots of Howard's, lots of branches, and actually a surprising number of Howard branches. But none who died on April 27th, 1959. And then, on the brink of despair, this is. happens.
0: Okay. <gasps> what does that say? PSC say- company D, we've got a... <laughs> crazy dick. Oh my God! Oh my God, again! Where is he? It doesn't matter, bring that back down and say, make the thing bigger.
1: What is that? That's his gravestone?
0: Yeah. But that's his actual grave. Yeah. Howard was there. BFC, Branch? couple of D, second
1: infantry. We got him. <laughs> Columbus, um, to Earth. <laughs> 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 what we'd found was Howard Branch's gravestone on a genealogy website. All the details matched. His army division, squadron number, date of death. So it turns out I was wrong. We all were. And Dad was right. Howard did die. And I feel bad now. I think we all do. My poor mum has lived with this longer than I have, and is bound to have had her suspicions.
0: Yeah, they must be all laughing at me. Privately, I don't blame them. Sixty I think I
1: was starting to doubt that they died. I figured you went to hospital, they went to another hospital because they were more seriously <sighs> ill. But then they come out of hospital, and they sent them home. Dad seems reinvigorated. I don't want to kill the buzz, but. I asked him to reread the letter he received from the military a few weeks earlier. We
0: do not have sufficient evidence to verify your stressor other than you are involved in a truck accident. We cannot confirm any casualties related to that event.
1: In a nutshell, the US military are asking us to put the truck crash and the death together. All we've found is Howard's military grave. It confirms that Howard died on the day of the crash. But did he die in the crash? We go looking for proof. Something that puts the two events together. We turn our attention to searching local newspaper records around Howard's hometown of Mound City, Missouri. And then... Here we go, oh my God! Branch rights Set Friday. Read that.
0: Branch, who was killed April the 27th, Branch graduated from Southern Illinois University in 1958. He was killed near Munich, Germany, when an army vehicle in which he was riding overturned. He graduated from Douglas Township High School.
1: He leaves his mother, Mrs. Maggie Branch, an elementary school teacher at Mounds, brother London Branch, a senior music major at SIU. London Branch. Bingo! We now have a name for Howard's brother. London. But what are the chances of finding him alive or actually finding him at all? London Branch, are you out there? I go searching for London and Dad shows me what he has to send to the American military, including a screenshot from his mobile phone. Except it's a screenshot Dad style. He's actually made a photocopy of the screen of his phone. Look, yeah. it looks a bit weird to have that you've got a photocopy of your actual phone. Mm. I mean, did you put the phone onto I, the photocopier?
0: I laid the phone where all the writing was on onto the to the photocopier. Closed <laughs> the lid. Close the lid. Took me 20 minutes before I got a, a, a print that is legible. I don't blame you, laughing, but that's a damn good print compared to the earlier ones.
1: I leave matters. But I keep going, this time on my own. And after another exhausting dig, I do find a woman called Davina, who I think just might be related in some way to London branch, Howard's brother. I write to her via Facebook Messenger. Richard And they were together at the time of Howard's death on an army truck in Bavarian Germany. I'm trying to contact any living relatives of Howard. I know a younger brother named London, but I'm not sure if he's still alive, so I think he'd be about... 80 now, like my father. If there's any way that you could put me in touch with London or any of his children, I'd be most grateful. Uh, Yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't actually expect an answer, to be honest. So I can scarcely believe my eyes when a message from Davina Branch pops into my phone within 24 hours. Davina says she thinks we have the right guy. And guess what? He's still alive and living in Mississippi. He's a professor of music who's still lecturing at the age of 81. We agree that Dad in London should talk via Skype. And before we know it, just days before Christmas 2017, we're huddled around a computer screen at my parents' dining table and wondering will the person about to pick up at the other end really be London Branch, the brother of the man that I felt I knew so well but never met and doubted the very existence of. There are connection problems, and we wait and we wait. And suddenly, an image flashes up on the screen of the laptop. It's the face of an old, strikingly kind old black man with beautiful grey hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, look.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm seeing you and hearing you loud and clear. Can you hear me, uh, London? Dr. London? Okay, do you know who I am?
2: I do not.
0: Okay, it may come as a bit of a shock and maybe a happy shock. I was with uh, Howard in the army, in the same company, on the same vehicle that the unfortunate accident occurred in way back in 59, 27th of April. And possibly, more likely, probably... I was the last gentleman, a seer, a bereaved brother alive. And I'd just like to say it's an honor to meet you, his brother. And if I can't talk to Herod, well, you're, you're, you're fine with me.
2: Well, it's no. interesting because he's been present in this house for the last year. And I don't know what has brought that about, but his presence is always here. I, well, I always feel him.
0: Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. You don't happen to have a photograph handy?
2: I do have a photograph handy, oh. as a matter of fact. I'd love to see his face again. Oh, boy, let see. Uh. Now, this is a picture of when he was in college, running track. Oh, he's more handsome than I remember.
0: Yes, indeed.
2: So all the ladies considered him
0: quite handsome. Oh, I'm sure they did. You damn right they did, and so they should. By the way, I wish I had his looks. I'm not too bad, but I'm not as handsome as Harold was. <laughs> we had a great re- report together.
1: It's so strange to look at him after oh, hearing so man. much about him. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I never. He's never out of my
2: thoughts. You know, he's been in my thoughts for the last fifty-eight years. Hmm. Well, i I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased. To talk with you, and pleased to know that you knew my brother and uh, and have uh, have thought about him all these years. Yes, yeah, I was born in 1936, so I'm I'm two years younger. Uh, he and I were great friends. In addition to being brothers, he kept me probably from flunking out of college. The fellas would come by to get me to go to a party, and I'd be on my way out the door, and he'd grab me by the coattail. Nope, that's not what you're here for. I respected him enough to do what he said. He was two years ahead of me, and he had two years more experience. And uh, if I had gone to the parties, I probably would have flunked out of school. When he was killed I was in my i was in my senior year mm-hmm. and uh they notified me at school that uh, he had been killed and i i went home uh, I was proud of the fact that first of all he was a great person uh not just not just a great athlete or yes uh, that he was just a great person uh, and he was honest and he was somebody that uh, that I could look up to always. I don't know, uh, I, I lost a brother, but I also lost a great friend.
0: And so did I, London.
2: Yes, yes. Absolutely.
1: The warmth between these two 80-year-old men is almost tangible. But the details of the accident haven't been spoken about. I see how difficult this is for Dad, but he wades in. And um,
0: are you aware of the um, f- what happened in, in the, the tragedy?
2: Well, the only thing I know is what they told us. What did they tell you? They said that uh, that was a truck accident uh-uh. and uh, he was killed. Yep. The truck turned over,
0: yes. That's exactly what happened.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. I always was a little bit skeptical about that because mm-hmm. i couldn't get any more information yeah. i'd ask for more and they'd tell me the same thing
0: they wrote back to me a couple of weeks ago yes mr Tynan, we recognize the fact that you were involved in a vehicle accident they didn't say a military one by the way but we mm. could not discover any casualties that were involved in that accident oh my goodness give me a break
2: yeah you know? wow <laughs> I guess the military has a way of covering up things that just doesn't want people to know. It seems peculiar that the military wouldn't have all of the documentation about every accident. They'd know everything about every person who was uh, who was ham- uh, who was hurt. I just that's the, yes. that's peculiar.
1: But Dad still hasn't spoken about the moment he made room for Howard the moment he's carried with them so very long. I see him taking a deep breath and...
0: Um, The vehicle was fully loaded by the time Uh it came for Herod to to Mm. climb up onto it. And other vehicles were... um, Other trucks were being arriving for... Take all the troops. And our squad leader ordered... um, really ordered Howard to get onto the truck which was obviously overloaded. Mm. I was sitting at the end of the truck as I say and um, I just made the guys move up there mm. and for the last 58 years and I suppose to be very honest I owned some guilt to myself saying had I not made room for Howard to get onto that vehicle he would he be still alive today? Mm. And that was one of the causes of my post-traumatic stress, guilt yes. I can only use that word guilt, and three times in the last two years, I broke down in psychiatric treatment, recalling that exact moment. Mm-hmm. only half an hour before I speak to you, London Yes, I cried my eyes out. yes so that's part of my reason to talk to you too, to express my guilt. Mm-hmm. I know people say, Oh, don't be ridiculous.' But true is true. Had I not made room for Howard, would he be alive? Would we be talking right now? You
2: well, we can we could speculate on that from now on. You were carrying out an order. Yes. From a superior officer. Yes. So I think you were, you were simply doing what you were supposed to do.
0: Oh, I don't know what I can say here. I'm so relieved to talk to somebody connected to him biologically Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and to say that, you know, uh, he's here with me.
2: Yes, and he's here with me. He's been, as I say, all the year, for some reason, his presence has been felt in this house.
1: We wanted to introduce to our mother. Okay. Hi, London. Hi. It's lovely lovely to meet Yeah, I just feel very emotional because oh. Dick has talked so much about your brother.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, and I it just, it just
2: feel very emotional. Well, it's very emotional with me, too. Is it? it uh, first of all, this is so unexpected. Could I have another tissue, please? Um, this was totally unexpected, and I'm so glad to know that somebody knew him and thought enough of him mm-hmm. to, after 58 years, set up this uh, this Skype meeting. Yeah. That's just wonderful. And I'm so happy to meet all of you.
1: I lost a son, so I-, I do understand how you feel. When you lose somebody close to you, you never get over
2: it. You never get over it. That's you right. You never get over it. Yes.
1: How did your mother cope afterwards? She
2: had a devil of a time. I, I knew he was her firstborn, mm-hmm. and I knew that I was going to have to take over and do everything that needed to be done, and okay. that's, that's the way it was. It just devastated
1: her. Did it? Yes. There's something amazing about connecting with, with you. We've, we've I've grown up with this story all my life. Yes. You know, it's always been a part of our of our, of our our history and Dad's yes, history. Yes, and it's always yes. been a big part. I'll be honest with you, we actually thought Dad was almost imagining the death in a way because because mm-hmm. the army was not acknowledging it. We needed to know he wasn't crazy, first of all. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. not cowardly.
1: <laughs> you know, the idea of, of somebody saying this didn't really happen and to know that there are other people mm-hmm. who knew this man that Dad thought so highly of, really, you know, have someone acknowledge that I think mm-hmm. is so important.
0: Yes. Such a pleasure talking to you. And you know, when you go to bed tonight and close your eyes, say, "Dick says
2: hi." I sure will. I sure will. Thank you so much. It's been a blessing. Yeah. Talk to you later. All Take right. care,
1: London. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. The kids from Ireland. Take all care. Right. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye. That Skype call took place just before Christmas, two thousand and seventeen, and for months afterwards, it was all Dad could talk about. He just couldn't believe that he'd reconnected with Howard through his brother London. 58 years after Howard's death, none of us could. The issue of compensation from the U.S. Army for Dad's PTSD treatment was still not resolved, though. To be honest, it wasn't compensation Dad was ever looking for. It was an official acknowledgement that this event occurred, that Howard Branch died in a U.S. Army accident, and that the trauma of that event still lives on in people today. After we made the Skype call to London, we kept up contact via email. London requested his brother Howard's records from the US Army, buoyed up by the fact that Dad got his. A few months after we spoke, we received an email from London which contained a message he'd received from the military. The record needed to answer your inquiry is not in our files. If the record were here on July 12, 1973, it would have been in the area that suffered the most damage in the fire on that date and may have been destroyed. As winter progresses and we move into 2018, Dad continues to wait for an official response from the US Army on his PTSD claim. Four years have now passed since he first made contact. In March 2018, Dad gets fed up of waiting and we set out to email the White House. Okay, right. Okay, this is the question that I would above all like an answer to. Obviously, I would also like a decision to be made about my claim too. Could you please let me know if this decision is imminent as I am 81 and I'm keen to know before I, I shuffle it. off this mortal
0: plan. No, poem. no, talk, don't be facetious or sarcastic. <laughs> I want to think I'm a serious bastard. <laughs> don't be funny. I want be funny. Obviously. I just want to this off No, I oh, for good. Because no, it's driving me bonkers.
1: Another month passes. It's Easter Monday and we're in my parents' for dinner. I decide to go out for a quick walk. And in that short time, my father's phone dings. He has an email. It's a very rare occasion that this happens, so he opens it up. When I return from my walk a few minutes later, there's chaos in the house. My father's shouting, it's better than sex! My mother and mother-in-law Marion are laughing hysterically and I've no idea what's going on. All I know is that my mother-in-law should not be witnessing this madness. Oh, really? Message from Department of Veteran Affairs about your appeals. Mm. Service connection for post-traumatic stress disorder is granted. Yeah. This is unbelievable. Thanks to you. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: is <laughs> that last letter we sent you old Miss Woods? Yeah. That's what did it. Just, maybe no, from the White House.
1: That's in their trees. They kept dismissing out. So it turns out that the cheeky letter to the White House might just have done the trick, and Dad finally receives an official U.S. Army acknowledgement and compensation to pay for his counselling sessions to deal with his PTSD. We are all elated at home. We can't believe it. Dad feels like he's been vindicated, and I feel like he can finally get a bit of closure. It's 59 years since Howard Branch died, dad's dear friend, right before his eyes. But now that the military has conceded, dad feels he has an official recognition from the US Army that Howard has not been forgotten. The guilt that had dad in its grasp for almost six decades has finally loosened its grip. It's time for us to let it go and let Howard rest in peace. And maybe Dad can get a bit of rest now, too. Who? Me? I'm I'm not talking to anyone, it's your gig.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You put your foot in the sticky (laughs) mud now.